that slide that says hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and series right now. We're ending it today, uh, fitting since we're at the end of the Torah here, in the wilderness, thriving in difficult times. And we're definitely in a sketchy time in our country and in our world today. And how do we thrive in the midst of that? How do we make the most of these difficult times? Somebody said, I think it was Winston Churchill, never waste a good crisis. Whenever there's a crisis, there's an opportunity to do new things and to set out and try something else. And so we've been doing that here at the well, and we're so blessed to have you along. And if you're here for the first time, we believe that the Lord has led you here today. Next week, we start a new sermon series called God at Work. It is so interesting. We chose this one last year also. And what has been more disrupted in the last few months than people's work? People are doing all kinds of different things. I'm looking out at people here whose all of your work has been disruptive or disrupted, and you've had to kind of cobble together something else. And so it's interesting how God knew ahead of time what we'd be talking about now and how to, to find meaningful work during a difficult time when there's lots of unemployment, lots of fluidity, people moving from one thing to another. I was just talking to our worship pastor here, and uh, she was working for Red Cross, and now they laid off a whole bunch of people. Now she might go back, and she might work in the school district and everything else, and it's all up in the air. So how do we make sure that we land in the right place? So we're going to be starting a new sermon series on work, and God's calling us our vocation. Vocation comes from the Latin word vocatio, which means literally to call out. God calls us into our vocations. And so we want to look at what the Bible has to say about that during this difficult, difficult time. There's a phrase I hear all the time, which I think is a lie, and that's no regrets. I don't think anybody who thinks at all, who has a mind, who has a brain, doesn't have regrets. We all have regrets. We've all got things we woulda, coulda, shoulda done different. There's things we regret when we were teenagers or young adults or opportunities that we didn't take, things that we didn't go after that we should have gone after, big mistakes or misjudgments that we made where we misjudged another person or we said something which really damaged someone else's life and we'd really love to take that back, but it's too late. Most people die with regrets. And I know this because I'm with a lot of people when they die. One of the things about my job is I spend time with people when they're dying and boy, do they pour out their regrets. It's, uh, it's hard to hear because there's a lot of pain when people share the things. I just wish I could have done that. I wish I'd been a better parent. I wish I'd been a better friend. I wish I'd all that stuff. And so I think people die with regrets. And we're going to talk about regrets today because Moses died with a gigantic regret. His whole life, his whole calling was all about bringing the Israelites out of slavery into the promised land. And at the very end, the very last moment, God says, you're not going in. You can go to the top of a mountain and you can look out, but you can't set foot in the promise. Like, can you imagine that if you were like an astronaut, the first one to land on the moon, and uh, they said you could get close, but you couldn't set your foot on the moon? You could just kind of circle around and come home? That's, that's what Moses was faced with, and it seems so unfair. And it's safe to say, you can tell from the Bible, he died with uh, quite a bit of regret around that. So we're going to explore that a little bit. And the truth is, we live unfinished lives. There's things we wish we could accomplish that we don't. I am a list maker. 
while we were waiting for the service to start, I was putting a list together for things I need to do today. And what I do is I write all the things I need to do in a black pen or a blue pen. Then I go back with a red pen. I put numbers by them in the order in which I'm going to do them because I don't want to decide after each thing what to do next. I just go to the next number. Then I use less mental energy to go to the next thing. And here's a fact of my life. I have never gone to bed with the list finished. Never. It's, it's always a third blank that I just haven't gotten to. And if you're honest with yourself, we all go to bed at night with things we probably should have gotten done, could have gotten done uh, if we'd had more time. But the truth is, we never have more time. Every day is exactly the same, 24 hours for everybody. And someday when I have more time, Tell me, are days going to become 28 hours a day, 29, 30 at some point? No, they're going to always be 24. And that's what we're stuck with. That's what we're going to have. And that's just the way it is. And the truth is, we human beings live incomplete lives. And Moses died with regrets, with an incomplete life. The big goal of his life, he didn't get to do. And that's really hard for people to hear. So there is Moses up on Mount Nebo, looking out over the promised land. God says, you can see it, but you can't go there. I'm going to take you up there, and I'm going to show it to you. Uh, this big, tall mountain, look across the Jordan River into the promised land. You can see it, but I'm going to have somebody else lead the people into the promised land. I'm going to have Joshua do it, not you. Joshua is more fit to do it right now because of a whole bunch of issues in your life, and we're going to talk about that. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 32. And this is, uh, chapter 34 is the last chapter when he actually goes to Mount Nebo, and this is the commandment from God. And he says this to Moses. Go up this mountain of the Avarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, across from Jericho. View the land of Canaan, that's the promised land, which I give to the children of Israel as a possession. And die on the mountain. Isn't that great? Come up and die. And die on the mountain which you ascend and be gathered to your people. In other words, be buried. Just as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. Because you trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Because you did not hallow me in the midst of the children of Israel. So it gives him a reason. Yet you shall see the land before you, though you shall not go there into the land which I'm giving to the children of Israel. And you have to just feel the pain in Moses as he's hearing this. I can't imagine anything more painful for Moses than hearing that. After all these years of service, you mean I don't even get to go in. After all I've done. And this is just really, really hard to hear. And you can still go to Mount Nebo. I've never been there, but there's a picture of Mount Nebo, and there's a statue there or a, or a sculpture that has to do with the, the serpent on the pole, which we did a sermon on earlier where, where uh, Moses raised this and the people looked at it, were healed, and that became the model, the, the modern uh, medical symbol. There's conspiracy theories that the Ark of the Covenant might be buried there somewhere. Pope John Paul had a gigantic meeting up there, if you remember that pope a couple popes ago, and Martin Luther King, my wife and I were in Memphis, and at the main church of the Church of God in Christ, uh, Martin Luther King gave his final sermon right there. It's a very short one. You can look it up on YouTube. It's called the, the View from Mount Nebo. 
and he was about to be shot. He just, you know, in a matter of hours, he would be assassinated. And he stands up in this church, a spirit-filled church in Memphis. And he says, I've been to the mountain. I may not get there with the rest of you, but I have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord. And he sits down and the place goes nuts. And that's his last message, the view from Mount Nebo. So he feels like Moses. Martin Luther King did all of those things to, to move civil rights forward, but he never really got to see the fruits of that. In Deuteronomy 3, 25 through 26, Moses begs with God, let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country in Lebanon. Let, can I please just go after all I've done? I put in all this work, no retirement, no pension plan, no nothing. And I, all I want to do is just see it with my own eyes and walk there and just, just arrive. There's nothing worse than a trip where you never arrive. It's so incomplete. But then God says this to him. But because of you, the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. So let me put this straight here. Moses is complaining here to the people in Deuteronomy. He says to the people here, let's go back and, and uh, to the beginning of that verse. Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country in Lebanon. He's telling this to the people. He says, this is what God and I were having this conversation. But because of you, because of you people, he's blaming the people. Because of you people, God was angry with me and would not listen to me. And here's what God says. That is enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. Oi, don't even ask me again. Sounds like an angry parent. Don't even ask me again about this. Don't, don't even, I'm not even going to let you pray about this anymore. And do you see where Moses is blaming the people? It's actually something he did that got him in trouble. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But here's Moses. And according to the Midrash, which is centuries of Jewish commentary, Moses here was telling the people about his conversation with God. And he tells the people that God told him never to speak about it again. And he throws the basketball. It's sort of a lob to Michael Jordan to the people. Maybe you guys will pray for me. And it's nothing but crickets. Leadership is painful. If you've never been in leadership, you really ought to think twice before praying to be in leadership. It is painful. Leading people is hard. Even leading a small group of people, a little team at work is hard. And you really never get the recognition during the time you're doing it. People you know, might praise you afterwards or even after you're gone. But during that time, teachers often tell me about this, that they, they never hear about the, the lives that their students live someday. The, the students never come back to tell them what a, a big difference they made. And here's Moses so desperate to see the promised land that he tells the people about his conversation with God, and he tells them that he is not allowed to bring it up anymore. He can't even pray for it. He says, would you please pray for me? But he doesn't even want to say that. He just throws it out there, and nothing comes back. And that is incredibly painful. After all I've done for you, I'm sure he's thinking for these people, couldn't you at least pray for me? And every parent's been through this. Parents, parents give, just pour themselves into their kids and nothing comes back the other way. And you think, every parent has said, after all I've done for you, 
the, the least you could do is respond. The least you could do is do something for me for a change. Well, so there's a lot of pain to go around here. But there is a reason why God said you can't go into the promised land. And it wasn't just a little mistake. A tale of two rocks, if you look at the screen. Twice, Moses was told by God to bring water forth from a rock for the people of Israel. Not once, but twice. Early on in the Exodus and later on. In the book of Exodus 17.6, God says to Moses, strike the rock. In Numbers 20, verse 8, he says, speak to the rock. And what does Moses do at the second rock? He doesn't speak to the rock, he strikes the rock. And he scolds the people while he's doing it. So Moses didn't just make a little mistake here, and there's a lot more to this. Moses understood, excuse me, God understood that Moses had lost his warmth and his love for the people. Somewhere along the line, he got burned out and fried, and that's what leadership can do to you. By the end of the time, he was really upset with them and was scolding them constantly. And he had this great relationship with God and a terrible relationship with his own people because he lost love for them. When I was in college, I used to work at the Comprehensive Mental Health Center in Tacoma, Washington on the suicide prevention line back when there was such a thing as a suicide prevention line with a real phone and the whole thing. With no answering machine, you just answer the, you're right there. Four or five people every night, I worked a 12 to 8 night shift, four or five people would call every night saying that they were thinking about suicide and wanting to be talked out of it. I did it for about a year and had a lot of compassion for the people, learned a lot about suicide, learned a lot about how you can help people to look forward to something. And the fact that they're calling you is a sign that they don't really want to commit suicide. They, they want someone to tell them that life is worth it. And so I really enjoyed that work. But after about a year, I started getting kind of callous. People would call up and say, you know, I'm thinking about killing myself. Oh, yeah, well, tell me about it. Because you know, I've done it for so long. I lost my compassionate edge. It became routine. And the minute I did, the minute I caught myself doing that, I quit. I had to quit because you can't do that unless you are engaged with the people. And somewhere along the line, Moses lost his compassion and love for the people. And there's a rabbi who says it so well about the two rocks. You have to discipline physically with little kids because they don't understand words. You have to restrain them from touching the stove. You have to grab their arm. You have to keep them from crossing the street. Sometimes you have to, I'm not going to get into the argument about spanking, but he says sometimes you need to, to spank a child in love to, to keep that child from doing something dangerous. Later on, though, you use words. And what God was saying to Moses was, when Israel is first starting out, you strike the rock. You're firm. It's better to start firm and become loving than to start loving and try to get firm later. In parenting, you start firm and you, you get warmer, you mellow. And Moses did the opposite. Moses should have been speaking to the Israelites in love by this time. He should have advanced as a leader, but he wasn't. 
he was getting crabby and burned out. And when he was getting crabby and burned out, God says, you're not the right people to lead. You're not the right person to lead them into the promised land. Joshua is the man of faith right now. So I'm going to have him do it. I don't want people led into the promised land by a crabby old man. Is basically what he's saying. I don't want, I don't want you to be at the head of the parade because this needs to be a parade and people need to be happy and joyful and you're not a happy guy. So you're, I'll show it to you, but you're staying behind because I don't want you to mess up the party is basically what he's saying. And we can lose our compassion for people along the way, especially a long friendship, a long work relationship, a long marriage. You see these loving couples. Wendy and I do pre-marriage counseling a lot. And these couples are so, you know, their eyes are battering. Oh, this is wonderful. It's just, well, when you have trouble, how are you going to deal with conflict? We'll never have conflict. I'm thinking, you have no idea. Uh, it, marriage... It's easy to get all sour towards the end. And we should get more compassionate with our partners as we move along, not less so. And we have to keep, as Nikki Gumbel says on the Alpha Course, we have to keep our, our hearts soft and our feet hard so we can walk on stuff and not be like touchy and keep our, keep our hearts soft. But very often we get hard hearts and touchy feet. And Moses was going the wrong direction here. It wasn't just a little mistake by the rock. That rock was a symptom of his problem. He had a chance to speak to the rock and show all of Israel what faith can do. Not even touching it and water would flow. And instead he strikes it while he's, while he's cussing out the people. That's not how you lead people into a promised land. And Moses was told, you can't go in. So here's some practicalities. God has given you big promises, some of them very special and just for you, some of them general promises in the Bible for everybody. You can't inhabit your promises without faith. And God actually says here, because you have lost faith, because of your unbelief, you didn't speak to the rock, you hit it. Because maybe you didn't believe it would work. I don't know. But because of your unbelief, you can't inherit your promises, folks. And God gives us promises, but we can't receive them without faith. The, uh, the Legos here at the church, Daryl and Gloria gave me a wonderful little gift. It's a soap dispenser. I, I love soap dispensers. I don't know what it is about soap dispensers, but I like the kind that, that make little foam. You know, you put your hand underneath, don't even touch it. I just love that sound. And you, you get the soap and the whole thing. It's just one of those little pleasures in life. And this is exactly how God works. God has all these promises for you, but what do you got to do? You got to hold out your hand and expect that the soap is going to come out. We need to receive those promises, and we receive them through faith. When you put your hand under the soap thing, that's, that is a, an action of faith. You believe it's going to happen. And Moses had stopped doing that. So I want to encourage you to continue to cultivate faith for the promises God has for you. Number two, you may never fully occupy your promises. In fact, you probably won't. Life, human life, is by definition and by nature incomplete. We don't ever totally finish everything in life. Israel was told to occupy the promised land, to this day, you can draw a map from what they were shown that they were supposed to occupy. To this day, they haven't done it. 
just partially, just partially on and off. They lose ground, they gain ground. They're, they keep trying to occupy the land. And it never gets done. And in the Bible, it never got done either. There's land that was given to certain tribes where the people living there just never left. They wouldn't get out of the way. And that's the truth about our promises too. It's Moses' life was incomplete. We die with regrets. There are things that don't get finished. Every single day I go to bed with my to-do list not done. Incompleteness is a part of human life. And we need to come to grips with that. We need to make peace with that somehow. And here's what I'd like to say about that. Now I'll save that. It's, it's coming. There's a better place to talk about that. Never abandon, number three, never abandon your unmet desire. Hunger is proof that there's food. Never abandon your desire for the big things, the desires of your heart. Never abandon that stuff. And it may not come true in your lifetime. And I'm going to show you a verse about that. But never abandon that because that hunger, that desire for those incredibly beautiful things in life, which always seem like they're a little out of reach, finding that, that perfect partner, that perfect job, that perfect home, uh, having your kids come around and, and, and make it in life, whatever it is, never abandon your unmet desire. Cultivating that desire is what the Hebrews call soul. Nefesh is the same word for hunger, nefesh, the back of your throat when you feel hungry, that, that place where you want to put food. Nefesh is their word for soul. The place in the back of the throat, somebody's got hunger for life. When some, Jen was singing up here today, and she sings with a lot of soul. And she sings with a sort of desire for God. She's not just hitting the notes. But you, 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 you hear that resonance coming out of what she's singing. And that's what soul is. When someone sings, you can tell what they sing with soul. I sing, and it doesn't, it's not singing with soul, by the way. Uh, it's not something you really want to listen to. But I do a lot of things, I do a lot of things with soul because I cultivate desire in life. I think desire is so important. And we need to continue to have that desire. Moses died still having that desire in his heart to see the promised land. He didn't give up on it. Didn't give up on it. And I don't think it's so important not to give up on those big things. Number four, in all areas of your life, move from sticks to speaking faith. Move from rock one to rock two. As you mature, learn to talk to people, not punish them, not scold them, not gossip about them. Learn to Love people that are difficult, especially if you're in leadership. I get, I talk to so many pastors who are just fed up with their people. And it's so important that we love our people and that we continue to ask God to give us that love for our people and to, to see them not as a problem, but to see them as uh, uh, people worth loving and worth speaking to. Leadership goes from discipline and that sort of that uh, uh, hard-boiled way of doing things towards a warmer, more collegial way of doing things. And that's when people are more productive anyways. I mean, for goodness sake, it's been almost 100 years since Dale Carnegie wrote his book about winning, winning friends and influencing people. And it's all about moving from sticks, hitting rocks, to speaking to the rock and working with people and learning how to be with people. 
and how to deal with people and how to, um, in all areas of our life, we should be moving in that direction if we want to be more Christ-like. We want to move from sticks and stones and discipline to speaking faith and collegiality. Leadership equals pain. I get these Eagle Scout types who say, I can't wait to be in leadership. I said, you have no idea what you're getting into. Leadership is hard. Pastor Tamara was called into leadership here and she resisted it because it's hard. It's no fun. It's much, it's way more fun just to, to go along for the ride than to be responsible for things. And when you're in leadership, you're responsible for things. You're responsible for the people. You're responsible for things getting done. Leadership is equal to pain, but don't underestimate your support. Moses probably died thinking that nobody loved him, especially the people. And they mourned for 30 days. Think about that. So many people I know quit their jobs because they think they have no support. And afterwards, people write them letters and emails say, what did you, what'd you quit for? There's a whole bunch of us here who love what you do. Happens all the time. People step down thinking there's nobody on my side. Elijah did that. Elijah went off to the, to the mountain of God and he complained to God. Oh God, there's nobody there. I'm the last one left. And God says to him in the still small voice, pull up your socks and go back to work. There's thousands of people on your side. Cut it out and quit whining. Basically sent him back. We always underestimate the support we have at work or in our community organizations or in our families. We think, you know, the whole family hates us, our kids hate us, whatever, and, and watch them have all kinds of tears at our funeral. I mean, we underestimate, just because people don't speak words of appreciation doesn't mean they don't have it. And very often, we don't get to see the funeral. And we don't get to see what people say about us. But it's often beautiful what people have to say about us. So say nice things to people before they die, will you? It's just a good idea. Um, some Hebrew tenses, and this is so important. I'm not being a language nerd here. I really would like to help you understand why our lives are incomplete. The Hebrew language, and I've said this before lots of times, doesn't have past, present, and future. The Hebrew language only has two tenses, imperfect and perfect. Imperfect, incomplete, unfinished, and perfect, complete, and finished. And that's sort of a great illustration for our lives. In this life, we will always be incomplete men and women, leaning into a perfect Savior and his promises. And the key is to lean in and not lean out, to lean into the perfect promises. Moses was leaning into seeing the promised land even though he never got there. At the very last moment, his desire was still there. And we have to come to grips, reality-wise, that our lives will be somewhat incomplete. We'll never check all the boxes. And some of the biggest things we want to get done will remain undone. So what do we do about that? The important thing is we give ourselves grace because God gives us grace. God is grace-filled for incomplete people. And God loves incomplete people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God loves us just as we are. I love that song, Just As I Am, without one plea. God loves us the way, the way that we are. Now, here's the trick. Don't give yourself so much grace 
that you give up on your desire, that you give up on leaning into the perfect promises of God. And that's a balancing act, to give yourself enough grace to not beat yourself up. And I've had to learn how to do that because I did a lot of beating myself up over the last decade when I wouldn't get stuff done. And I've really learned to be a lot more gracious with myself. But the key is to be able to do that without giving yourself so much grace that you stop leaning into the promises and you start leaning into God's best life for you. You just say, well, it's just going to be good enough the way it is. It's my job to screw up and God's job to heal, to heal me and forgive me. I'll just, I'll just do whatever and he'll just take care of it. That's just being passive. We want to engage God and engage the promises and lean into them. To Moses' credit, he was leaning into them to the very last breath he took. Hebrews 11.13. Hebrews 11 is a fantastic chapter. It's the Mount Rushmore of faith. It goes through all the heroes and heroines of faith and how awesome they were because of faith. And then he says this. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. That's not great news, by the way. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. In this world, things will always be incomplete. Be gracious with yourself about that, but still lean into the promises. Even the superheroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, many of them died without receiving the fullness of their promises. And that's just the way life is for human beings. Well, to close here, The first five books of the Bible are called the books of Moses. In fact, when I studied in Germany, I learned that they don't call the books Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They call these books Erste Mose, Zweite Mose, Dritte Mose, Vierte Mose, Fünfte Mose. First, second, third, fourth, and fifth Moses. These are the books of Moses. And people say, well, Deuteronomy, the fifth book of Moses, couldn't be written by Moses, because chapter 34 is the account of him dying. So how could that have been written by Moses? You can't write when he's dead. And the rabbis throughout the centuries have a phrase for that. Moses wrote his own book, they say. Moses wrote his own book. And God dictated to him, chapter 34, And Moses wrote it through tears. Wrote about his own death. And then went up the mountain to die. Ernest Hemingway said, if there's no tears in the eyes of the writer, there will be no tears in the reader. Moses closed the book. In tears. Because of his incomplete life. But is that passion and the desire that he had for the people and for the promise that to this day the people of Israel call Moses 
Moshe Rabbanu. Moses, our teacher. Within the Jewish faith, there's nobody honored more than Moses. And he wasn't honored because he was perfect. He was honored because he was an imperfect man desiring and leaning into the perfect promises of God. That's why they love Moses. Because that's what we can be too. Tamara, do you want to pray or do you want me to pray? Let's pray. We kind of do an audible sometimes at this point. Just invite you to pray with me. And just go ahead and pray out loud. I'll give you one phrase at a time. Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a rhetorical thing. Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. You have perfect promises. You have perfect promises. And I'm I'm an imperfect person. And I am an imperfect person. I will die an imperfect person. Give me a hunger for your promises. Help me to lean into your promises. Give me grace to be easier on myself when I'm not perfect. I want to receive the free gift of eternal life. I want to receive the free gift of total forgiveness for all of my incompleteness. I trust that you will make me complete in your time. And Lord, we give you thanks for Moses. Who wrote through tears about an unfulfilled promise. But you've used his teaching, Lord, to touch the world with this fantastic story of faith of the people of Israel wandering through five books of the Bible. Lord, we give you thanks for the wilderness, for it's in the wilderness that desire is cultivated. And Lord, during this difficult time that our world is going through, where so many things seem to be unraveling, we pray, Lord, that we would trust your guidance for each of us individually, for our nation, for our world, to lead us into your perfect will for us. And we commit ourselves to lean into that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, House. I think I'm on. Yes? Okay, good. I wanted to go back to the Hebrew tense is imperfect, imperfect. Um, One of the things before I became a Christian is I had this need to be perfect. My perfectionism was something that stopped me from doing a lot of things. And as I 
grew in my faith that has, it's not completely gone because there's still things I think I need to do perfectly. And I never do. I always do them imperfectly. Um, but one thing that caught me when you were talking about imperfect and perfect and how in the Bible, just most everything's incomplete. It's still not completed. There's one thing that was completed, and that was Jesus on the cross when he said, it is finished. He was saying, it's perfect. It's completed. It's finished. I did everything my father set, up, set me here on earth to do, and that was to bring you hope, to bring you faith, to bring you salvation, and I've done it. And as I've learned that through my faith walk, that has helped me to not have to be perfect because Christ was perfect for me. And I don't have to worry about the imperfectionism, the incompleteness, because Christ finished it. And our end game is being saved, is being in heaven when we leave this earth, is to sit in that realm of between earth and heaven while we're here, in that sing, that song, that shimmering light, the Shemaya, that in-between time. And to just lean into and trust God with everything we have. And that helps me to not have to be perfect. A little story for you. All right, now my fun transition to announcements. It's still just weird. I'm sorry. Um, we do want to pray for you. Um, you can email me, Tamara underscore Dorica at yahoo.com. You can put it on our Facebook prayer wall. You can direct mail um, us, me, or house um, through Facebook or even Instagram. And uh, you don't have to be friends with me to do that. You can go on our Facebook page and just DM us. So um, you can do that. Because we do love to pray. And every Monday more, well, Monday evening, Tuesday morning, we try to do this as I put out a prayer request um, to everybody in our prayer team. And so if you can get something to me by Monday morning, Monday evening, I'll make sure that gets added. And we had something come up just yesterday, and I, I sent it out too because it was really um, important to pray about it. So we love to pray, so get those in. Um, our September prayer cards are here. I don't know why it says prayer, September prayer focus, but that's what it says. Um, pray for the students and teachers as they start a new way of doing school. How many of you think that's really, really important? Um, I know my nieces, I have three nieces that are teachers, and they're also having to homeschool. Isn't that fun? Um, well, one isn't. One is has, but she has a three, uh, two-and-a-half-year-old at home. And she's pregnant with her second one. So there's a lot going on for our teachers and for our students. So pray for them. Pray that they just have a lot of patience and, and compassion, especially um, for the parents that are having to work and do homeschooling that have never homeschooled before. Um, pray for good attitudes for the students. How many of you think they could just go, you know, I don't want to do this and do nothing. So pray for our students as well. Pray for the eradication of COVID-19 so our schools and businesses um, can open up. That's the main one right there. We want to get back to being open, completely open, and so we need to get rid of this stuff that's stopping us. And as always, we pray for President Trump, our Governor Newsom, 
Um, and if you're in a different country or a different state, pray for, continue to pray for your president and pray for your governor. Um, and all those that are making decisions on our behalf, especially right now, they're, oh, pray for them. That's all I can say. Just pray for them. Leadership is painful. Yes, it is. Um, pray for protection and health for the pastors of the well and pray that God guides and directs the leaders of the well as, as well. Um, we always encourage you to continue to read the Bible with us and um, then watch House's videos. He does those every day. So at some point in time during the day, he will post a short video on that um, on a short teaching of that Bible, that day's Bible verse or Bible reading. So please join us with that. Alpha is coming up. We're going to be starting a new course on October 7th. It's Wednesdays at 6 p.m. To register, um, go to hbhoused at gmail.com. And um, if you have any questions, you can also email House at that, and he will answer any questions you have. This is about learning who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, who Jesus is, asking questions in a safe spot, Um and just really diving deeper into your faith. Even if you've been in church for a million years, come to an Alpha course. If you've never come, come. Because I guarantee you will learn something about God and you will learn something about yourself. So please join us on October 7th, starting October 7th at 6 p.m. Teacher trainings are uh, going to be back up today at 4 p.m. on Zoom. And you can register or ask House for the Zoom link at hbhouse at gmail.com. And then we're tonight we're going to be talking about the three C's of every ministry. It's Christ, uh, community, which is relationship building, and content, which is learning. So you want to definitely um, be part of that. We are going to be part of OC Prayer Walk. Now, this isn't a big thing where 3 million people gather together and walk Orange County. It's about us individually or as families walking the streets of our neighborhoods, of our city, and praying for it. And that's going to be um, September 18th through the 20th. So if you can just take 15, 30 minutes and walk around your neighborhood, maybe um, go to a couple streets over the next day and walk the neighborhood and pray for your neighborhood, pray for your cities. And um, we're going to get have a website coming up. You're going to use the hashtag PrayerWalkSoCal. And then on Facebook, House has already put down a list of things you can pray for, for your city. And so we would love everybody to join us. Now, if you are in Minnesota or Canada or wherever, do this in your own hometown. It, you don't have to be in SoCal to um do this prayer walk. We're encouraging everyone around the world to do a prayer walk during this weekend. What if we had people in every single city throughout the United States doing a prayer walk on the same weekend? Do you think God's power might move a little bit? Mm, I think so. So please join us um, September 18th through 20th for that prayer walk and more details will be coming up. Um, we are looking at the trustees met a couple weeks ago um, to have a fellowship night because we miss you guys so much. And so we have tentatively scheduled it for September 27th. Um, stay tuned for mo more details. What we were talking about as trustees and pastors was having a night of a little bit of worship, a little bit of word and prayer, some games, just a, a time where we can get together, relax, and have a little bit of fellowship while socially, not socially, physically distancing 
and keeping, you know, keeping parameters, but still being together. It will be outside under the stars. So um, we're looking at an evening service and we want you to put that down on your calendars tentatively, pencil it in, um, because we would love to have you join us. And so we will let you know, hopefully by next Sunday, we will know more um, of the proper date, if this is the right date if, or not, and what's going on. But we do want you to know about it because this is something we are planning on. So we're looking forward to it because, again, we miss all of you seeing your faces and being with you. Ties and offerings. Um, you guys continue to be generous and we love you for that. So thank you for sending in those tithes and offerings. Again, if you need to send them in, the well at Surf City, 2721 Delaware Street in Huntington Beach, 92648. You can go online to our website, divedeeptogether.com. You can, there's text giving, there's um, PayPal, there is our Faith Life app. Go to tinyurl.com slash Malachi310giving, and that will give you all the ways to donate. Another way is our patreon.com slash worldwide well. It's an easy way to give a few bucks a month, maybe $5 a month if you want to do that and become a patreon of the well. Uh, it's just another way of donating. If you don't want to donate like a big 10%, which are normal ties, this is a way of saying, you know, I want to support your ministry and this is how I'm going to do it. So please go to patreon.com and that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash worldwide web. web. I always say worldwide web, worldwide well. So I think that's it for announcements. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Um, lean into God and never give up on your desires because God is a promise keeper. And so continue to lean into God and and your um, desires of your heart because he will give those to you. Have a blessed week and we will see you back here next week. Bye.